Welcome to the Biohackers Live Show. My name is Dr. Olli Sovjervi and today our topic is how to reverse aging and extend lifespan and health span. Um, today uh, Teemu Arena couldn't make it, but we have our favorite guest Seamland, who is really an expert also on this topic. And uh, we're going to spend an hour, an hour and a half uh, discussing about the hallmarks of aging, how we, how can we can like prevent uh, our degradation of the body and the mind and keep ourselves thriving, energetic, uh, and first and foremost healthy to actually have some healthy years and functional years increased um, into our lifespan and health span. But first, I would like to remind you that uh, our next huge event, the Biocur Summit, is totally concentrating on this topic, reversing aging and extending health span. So you are most welcome to beautiful summer Finland in the 3rd and 4th of June in uh, 2022 in Helsinki, Finland. So go to biocarsummit.com and we have some special uh, Black Week discounts for all of you. But shortly, uh, what is the Biocar Summit? Maybe you have been there or maybe you haven't. But I think this is like uh, maybe the 11th or even the 12th Biocar Summit that we are organizing. And uh, this year, uh, due to COVID and all kinds of restrictions and Well, you know the story. Uh, we haven't organized any event, but this event will be even bigger and better. And uh, let's let's just uh, see what what you are going to have, and why this is so important topic. Because um, at least a quarter, even even almost a half of the population live with multiple chronic conditions, and those could be easily fixed with lifestyle uh, factors. And uh, when it comes to biohacking, which is actually preventive health, it's, a, it's also about optimizing human performance and well-being with the help of the latest science, technological interventions, nature, uh, top expert, uh, data-driven self-experiments, and so on. Uh, we want to actually move from lifespan to health span. And this is also what, what we are going to be discussing with Simlan today. It's it's not point into living into an old age if you are spending like the last 30 years in in a, in a, like a, a day, daycare type of conditions that you cannot actually uh, have a functional, really thriving uh, body. For who is the Parker Summit? Um, we have had like uh, guests from over 30, even 40 different countries. Uh, consisting of entrepreneurs, uh, investors, innovators, early adopters, first and foremost, but also medical and wellness professionals, uh, even academics and designers, and uh, maybe like you, who, who seems to be a health and wellness enthusiast. So uh, it doesn't matter where in the world you are coming from, you are most welcome to Helsinki to the Biocare Summit. We have over 40 top keynote speakers, And uh, we cover all kinds of topics ranging from longevity and life extension to psychology, self-improvement, uh, immune system improvement, gut health, sleep, circadian biology, nervous system, brain health. Uh, we go into deep into the nutrition, metabolism, fasting, and ketogenic diet benefits, 
and especially like the fasting benefits, calorie restriction, but also natural elements, including water, cold, heat, light, and electromagnetic exposure, uh, biomechanics, resilience, stress management, optimal recovery. And of course, a big part of all this is quantifying yourself uh, with the latest wearables and genetic and lab testing. The exhibition area is going to be massive. It's going to be packed with uh, all kinds of biohacking equipment and therapy devices. This is like a this is like a dream come true uh, for a true biohacker. If if you are really into all kinds of gadgets and uh, supplements and uh, different uh, nutritional uh, things that you can actually try uh, right in in the exhibition area. We have uh, biomedical testing, biomarker analysis, different wearables, uh, apps, uh, digital health, all kinds of things for physical exercise and sports equipment, wellness and health services, and so on and so on and so on. And of course, our food is nothing but the latest and the best in, in the quality. So you will enjoy and have steady energy levels throughout the exhibition and throughout the summit. And uh, this is actually the thermogenic spa. This is uh, probably one of our most uh, welcomed and most liked <laughs> part of the of the exhibition and and the summit. And people, when when they're not uh, when they're having like enough of knowledge coming in through the different kind of keynotes, they can go and have a little relax, have a little cold, hot, uh, or heat alteration, and. Uh, jump into the finish sauna or even even you know you know hop into the cold plunge or even to the ocean so this is absolutely a, a beautiful experience uh, for the for the uh, two days that uh, the summit is going to cover uh, but it's that's not all uh, we have the upgrade dinner and uh, this is usually on Wednesdays or Thursdays actually Thursdays before the uh, summit begins. It's a five-course dinner prepared for yourself uh, by leading chef Sami Talberg, and of course we are there as well. Me, Temo Arena, and Jakko Halmetoja and other top biohackers. And the the point of this is that fine dining is kind of last season. Uh, you get small portions which are beautiful, but uh, you don't actually get what your body craves, which is nutrient dense super high quality seasonal food that actually get, actually get you filled and satisfied but being at the same time very delicious so everything is upgraded with the latest culinary kitchen techniques and also careful attention to the biochemistry and uh, after party you know a summit wouldn't be uh, and nothing without the after party the ecstatic beach party in uh, inside actually but you get your bare feet to the sand plus 26 degrees on the beach and absolutely amazing ecstatic dance music you have sauna yoga live concerts in there and you know actually i'm also going to play a dj set there so i'm really looking forward to this ecstatic dance. yeah so um what else if you are a true biohacker and you really want to get hands-on immersive and exclusive retreat, you want to go to the Optimized Day workshop. This is usually like sold out very quickly, so I recommend that if you want to have a full day of Optimized Day with myself, Demar, Nasimland, Jaakko Halmatoja, Lee Evan, Jani Toivona, and you know a bunch of different experts on, on different fields of biohacking, 
and you want to get yourself an immersive experience in, in the traditional Finnish sauna, ice swimming in the Baltic Sea, and uh, sound healing experience. And of course, uh, really culinary, ketogenic breakfast, lunch, and dinner, this is certainly for you. And the venue, it's uh, absolutely beautiful, uh, covering a total of uh, 56,000 square meters, the Gable Factory. And the 2020 summit what was arranged there, it's it's by the seaside. Uh, you can go outside in the thermogenic spa, have a really fresh air experience there, and then go inside to experience the exhibition. So welcome to the Bayerker Summit. The Black Friday discounts are valid from uh, five days from now, and it gets really cheap if you buy three or more tickets. So uh, that's only 147 euros. So this is the the cheapest price it will be ever. Uh, if you're wanting to have a like a VIP experience, you can also get get the like a group discount on that. Or if you just want to enjoy the live streaming, that's also possible. So everything and much more in the BarkerSummit.com. And before we get off with Seamland, um, we have a Black Week. We have the Black Week, uh, the Black Friday is coming, but we have every day different kind of offerings in the Biker Center store. Uh, yesterday was optimizing your sleep. The, the products are still there up to half of the price. Today is uh, optimizing work and performance. So just go to the bikercenter.com store and uh, you will find different kind of supplements, even half the price, technology, uh, gene tests, uh, lab tests, and so on. All right, I think I've uh, had a long enough monologue uh, by myself, and let's welcome Mr. Seamland. How how are things in Estonia? Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Yes. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Well, we actually had our first snow for this year yesterday, and uh, it was like a pretty... uh, big snowstorm <laughs> almost that came came with a big snowstorm in uh but today it was kind of already starting to melt <laughs> so uh we didn't yeah. last long uh, same, but yeah, same yeah, regardless, here. yeah regardless it was the kind of um cool to see some snow um that it's uh the uh, i don't know like rest- estonia is kind of uh really leading the charts with the uh <laughs> with the uh with the uh corona cases and stuff like that um but it's appears to be stabilizing for the time being and now already as well so uh, yeah other than that it's uh, going uh, pretty well with me good and uh you know you're a resilient being you are really adjustable and uh what happens outside doesn't really uh, matter that much whether it's snow whether it's a it's a storm whether it's a it's a pandemic um hmm. you still keep on going and um what what's the what are our topics today? What what are um what are you going to talk about? I I know you have like a, yeah. a bunch of different uh, like stuff like that goes really deep into the hallmarks of aging and reversing aging and uh, yeah yeah uh, we're gonna talk about you know lifespan longevity and uh, health span we're going to discuss like the differences etc. I do have like some slides I think we can share. I can basically start with them immediately. Yeah, let's. Let's begin with with your uh, introduction into the what is actually aging, what does it mean, and uh, how can we prevent about that. And then we're gonna have, going to have a discussion, and uh, I'm gonna pick up some questions 
mm. uh, every now and then. So uh, feel free to comment and have um, questions so, so that we can hopefully have have a good answer to you guys. Awesome. Let's go, Sim. All right. So um, you know, as you can see from this chart, then uh, the average life expectancy in uh, that is that like the developed countries has increased quite a lot over the last few centuries, and it's nearly doubled. The current is around like 79, 80 years of uh, age, the life expectancy. And uh, it's, uh, you know, steadily been increasing. You know, the main reasons for that has to do with uh, just, you know, people getting better access to med medical care um, and uh, not, you know, <laughs> not getting like a tooth infection or something like that. So that would uh, kill them off. And uh, the infant mortality has been decreasing uh, quite a lot, uh, which is the reasons why this number has been um, increasing. Like people in the past, they still lived um, quite long, but this is just that their the risk of dying prematurely was much higher. Uh, and uh, with the development of science and medicine and just you know safety in the developed world, uh, the uh, just your risk of dying to some sort of random things like you know infections and uh, accidents, those kind of things has been decreasing. But you know the problem is that you, as you can see from this chart, also the uh, United States has been actually hit a plateau. And it uh, since like 2018, this number has been uh, slightly decreasing. Like it's a very small decrease, like 0.4 or 0.6 years. Uh, but it goes to show that even even like some uh, developed countries that can that don't follow necessarily all the good practices of health and uh, vitality, then they can still uh, start to see a decline in their life expectancy. And like you said already quite nicely, is that there's a difference between just living long and being fully healthy and vibrant. So uh, the uh, just living long means that you can be kept alive with medicine and pills and you're hospitalized, etc., which is doesn't describe really like a high quality life. Whereas uh, health span refers to just the length of healthy years that you have of uh, where you're able to be in full health of uh, being functional, being, you know, vital and uh, having good health that refers to health span. And I think that, uh, a lot of the conversation is starting to shift towards increasing health span, not just uh, lifespan, because, you know, yeah, it's very costly to keep people alive with uh, meds and uh, the pills. Whereas if people were able to stay young and healthy themselves, then obviously it's just, you know, increases the quality of their life uh, while at the same time just, you know, makes everyone else and the entire society kind of a better place to be in as well. A lot of people would prefer, I think, the health span of being in full health compared to being kept alive with uh, just with the technology. So uh, the health span, you can also call it squaring the curve, which just means that, yeah, you're maintaining this uh, good health and then you drop off kind of uh, rapidly. <laughs> so instead of slowly declining already in your 40s and uh, 30s or 50s, you start, you, you maintain the full health until your later years, like 70s and 80s, and then you drop dead, <laughs> which is uh, squaring the curve. And it is like a co compressed morbidity is also called, what it's called, that your uh, morbidity period is much compressed and uh, shorter compared to, uh, as, as most people already uh, say that they're old in their 40s, which uh, isn't actually the case. Like if you look at the average life expectancy, which is like 80, 79 and 80 years old, then 40 years old is only only the 50% of your life, which is, you know, the 50% of your life is still ahead of you. And if you start to suffer already in your 40s, then that's not really like a good life uh, that you will want to live. 
So you want to square the curve and uh, drop dead <laughs> rapidly instead of gradually. Um, and what are the things that determine that you know health span? You know, I think a lot of people know that uh, just you know the healthy lifestyle habits, avoiding um, poor poor lifestyle habits, is going to have like a huge effect on the uh, longevity as well as the health span of the individual. And uh, your body is always you know detecting different kinds of signals from the environment, and uh, those signals are all things like food, exercise, your uh, landscape, your uh, light exposure, your toxin exposure, like alcohol and uh, what kind of pills they're taking and those kind of things. They're all like signals that have this epigenetic response on the body that will affect health span and longevity. So all things, uh, DNA methylation is one of the things that is um, very tightly associated with uh, aging and uh, lifespan, but just, you know, overall good health that is determined by the inputs, inputs uh, that your body uh, receives. And a good health itself is just the output of um, being healthy. And this is kind of the uh, information theory of aging that, you know, Dr. David Sinclair also talks about, or he coined the term information theory of aging, that uh, your body ages based upon the information, the epigenetic information that it receives from the environment. Uh, there are all also uh, many kind of reasons why we age in the first place. Like you can't, postpone aging indefinitely you're going to eventually die <laughs> the uh you will experience the speed differently some people age faster faster than others and uh, there have been identified quite a few of these uh hallmarks of aging uh, there's nine of them here uh, that uh, are considered to be the reasons why we uh, experience aging in the first place and uh, why we experience accelerated aging in some other cases and those are the primary ones the cause that cause physical deterioration of the body and damage are uh, genomic instability, telomere attrition, epigenetic alterations, loss of proteostasis. Uh, then there's these antagonistic hallmarks that are responses to the damage, deregulated neutron sensing, mitochondrial dysfunction, cellular senescence. And lastly, there are integrative hallmarks, which are the culprits of the phenotype. And uh, these are stem cell exhaustion and altered intracellular communication. There's also one additional one that Oli can uh, talk about, uh, but I kind of th think the main main reasons for the, let's say, aging itself can be summed up with some sort of like physical damage that the body experiences, and that damage just um, essentially um, reduces the healthy functioning of the body, sends a, sends a, like an improper signal to the body, accumulates damage, and the body just uh, wears down. So kind of the wear and tear is still one of the main, um, let's say, principles of aging. And uh, one of the main characteristics is the wear and tear that your body just can't keep up with the damage and eventually starts to uh, age in response. Oli, do you want to mention the uh, yeah. addition? Yeah, it it's, uh, has to do with the wear and tear. So uh, we can take a look at the one slide, which is actually, there's usually like has been traditionally nine hallmarks of aging and uh, th that your study you referenced was from 2013 and uh, the the researchers have been found that uh, the tenth sign of aging is the extracellular matrix stiffness or stiffening and also the dysregulation so this means basically the um, outside of the cell uh, structure which has a kind of like a network throughout the body um, it, it, it is attached to different kind of fascia and uh, we have different fascial lines. So if, if that becomes very stiff, 
which means that you also your body becomes stiff when you have these cellular and extracellular changes. So if you take a look at the people who are getting old and uh, taking a look at their posture, their mobility, so usually they they go like this and and uh, the the body po- body posture goes goes more more likely into like into this kind of a posture of a uh, of a baby uh, who's just been <laughs> born. So and you kind of like go, like <laughs> come from here there and then you open up yourself. Uh, hopefully you drive, you're open, your body and your mobility is, is uh, well functioning. And uh, of course, when, when you die, the body is eventually going to have a disruption and uh, kind of it, it kind of breaks down uh, a bit by bit. So um, I've been following my uh, my uh, wife's uh, grandfather's. Uh, uh, you know, path. He, he's about to become hundred years old, wow. and he's still living in in like this um, uh, care home for old people. And uh, of course, his his moving is not not very good, and his hearing is is not very good. But but his brain is pretty sharp, and uh, it it's it's incredible how like tough, like mentally tough, uh, this this guy is, and. Uh, Maybe it has to do with the thing that he went through, like uh, world wars, like I- even the first world war as a, as a youngster, and then the second world war. And uh, you know, having having built <laughs> resilience, I still remember, uh, like maybe five, six years ago, he was actually helping me to cut off our like huge um, garden fence. And uh, he was like, oh, let me use this machine, like being 95 years old. And uh, so until that point, he was like very functionable. But now maybe the last four or five years, he's been um, like steadily going down. But uh, living into a functional life on like into your 90s and even hundreds, it's it's, it's totally doable. But uh, that's that's a little side story. So go ahead, Sim, and... uh, Mm. continue okay. <laughs> awesome yeah um so i'm gonna continue on with um some of the things that we know that help with longevity some of the things that we do know that increase health span and the quality of life and one of the main ones is actually just having muscle mass and strength so uh, there is a lot of research very clear research showing that uh, people especially elderly who have more muscle mass than uh, they're healthier they live longer, they uh, have less accidents or less, uh, let's say, hospitalization, they're more functional. And uh, yeah, just muscle mass itself appears to be, and strength appears to be a huge predictor of overall mortality and uh, longevity. Uh, And I think the biggest reasons for that, you know, can be because the muscle mass is very beneficial for metabolic health and body composition. uh, But it's also just, you know, prevents the person from... uh, experiencing frailty and uh, osteoporosis and things like that so if you have very little muscle mass then you can just you know break a hip and die to even just that because your um, recovery is very like vulnerable very dangerous for an older elderly person to break a hip or break a bone and because you know sarcopenia it's uh the muscle loss it's it's gonna be accelerated much more if you're like also immobile and not able to move around because of your uh, broken bone and stuff so people who have more muscle mass than their uh, 
they break the bones uh, less in the first place and they also uh, recover from those things uh, much faster, which is important. And, you know, even your younger years, having more muscle mass is going to be much better for your overall metabolic health. So your risk factors for cardiovascular disease and neurodegeneration and uh, metabolic syndrome and even like cancer will, will go down if you're uh, just metabolically more healthy and muscle and strength are great ways to um, make that happen. The problem is that, you know, as you get older, your muscle and strength tend to naturally decrease because you're uh, producing less of these anabolic hormones and things like that. So, uh, yeah, you should uh, take advantage of building and maintaining muscle throughout your entire life, especially in this like um, adulthood, that because, you know, it's, it's all downhill from there. Yeah, <laughs> once buddy. You get, <laughs> once you get into your 30s or 40s, or I would say like 40s is still a very good time to build muscle, so you can easily do it. But in your 50s or 60s, it can become slightly harder and uh, more difficult. Yeah, my, my intention, like I'm 42, is to build and maintain muscle mass in my 40s as, as much as possible. And it seems to be pretty doable. So um, I don't feel, I don't see that much of a difference being uh, in my 30s or, or 40s, or actually mm-hmm. it, it, it seems to be a, even mm-hmm. a bit easier now. So um, it's yeah, interesting. Like a, yeah. yeah, like a lot of people can also get the uh, false impression that building muscle and strength means that you need to be like a power bodybuilder or a powerlifter yeah <laughs> and, uh, which isn't the case like it just means that you just need to do some resistance training or do something In, that yes stimulates the resistance the away yeah it doesn't have to you don't even have to be like super jacked like um it would be cool and nice to be you know muscular and uh, old at the same time and uh, look good but at the same time it's not necessarily the one that is going to drive the biggest results uh, you don't need to be super super strong you don't need to be super uh, muscular you just need to do something that uh, keeps the muscle there so that yeah. the body if you don't have the signal to keep the muscle the body isn't going to keep it around either yeah uh, i have a, a couple of slides uh, do you want me to show them now uh, i could actually yeah you can do it. Uh, uh, what, what comes to like exercise so um you know, I was just interested about uh, what actually does the exercise do. And uh, we're now talking about uh, strength training, but actually also uh, just basic activity. So this is um, uh, from 2020, and it, it's an association of daily step count and step intensity with mortality in, in the U.S. adults. And there's uh, 5,000 people in the study and a 10-year follow-up. So... This was pretty interesting. So it seems that if you have like more than 8,000 steps, uh, your mortal- mortality rate uh, is only like 0.7%. And uh, if you compare it to those who have uh, less than 4,000 steps, so that's like like a 4,000 plus difference. So the, the mortality rate is uh, 10 times higher in those who have like uh, under 4,000 step uh, than those who have over 8,000 steps. So, so of course, uh, counting steps, it's not really be all and all, but it's, it's a good like uh, measurement how basically active you are throughout the day. So you could do uh, stuff uh, that doesn't count as a step if you're just measuring steps, but you, you can still like kind of gain steps. So, um, but basic activity uh, throughout the day it's it's a way to live uh, a longer life and uh, here's a study from 2015 from the european journal of internal medicine it's a review article on muscular strength and as, as a strong predictor of mortality 
So this is this was kind of a narrative review and going through different studies and, and meta studies. And the highlights seem to be that muscular strength is universally and independently associated with all cause mortality. So the better the strength, uh, the lower your mortality seems to be. And uh, it, it has been uh, reported in different um, clinical populations. So, so this is kind of like a global uh, phenomenon. And uh, it, it's a modifiable risk factor for uh, of great public interest. Uh, so what does this mean is that uh, to encourage people to have resistance training to increase their, like, let's say it's just basic grip strength. So um, the grip strength is also something that has been used in many studies, uh, even if you take a look at the slide, even uh, even about half of the studies there's muscular testing has to do with the hand grip strength because it's it's quite easy to do but it's it's also a very good marker to really evaluate what your strength aspect is and other studies have um, taken a look at some kind of isometric testing or maximal like leg strength uh, like quadriceps strength maximal bench press and knee extension but if you can like if you have a good grip strength, usually you can pull off, let's say, from the floor or from the bar, or you can lift heavy stuff, and that's usually a very good correlation to what comes to strength. And um, I would encourage just to you know test your grip strength and see how you do uh, compared to your age group and your sex. So uh, we actually have the tables in the Barker's Handbook, and if you're in the, in the top, um, let's say, top... Um, quintile then you're 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 doing like pretty pretty well yeah and um, one more thing is uh, leisure time or leisure time uh, physical activity and mortality so this is uh, evaluated in metabolic equivalent uh, uh, like hours per week so it seems that even as minimal as seven point five met hours per week, which isn't that much, you get uh, a tremendous benefit what comes to like all cause mortality. And the the, apt, the optimal point seems to be uh, 22.5 met hours per week. And um, there's a diminishing uh, curve. So if you're like a super endurance athlete, then uh, there isn't extra health benefits and it, it might get even a little bit worse, but still being like very active is, is beneficial. And uh, this is from the Barker's Handbook. So what the MET stands for, metabolic equivalent, it represents the increased energy expenditure caused by physical activity when it's compared to the amount of energy used at rest. And one MET unit is uh, equivalent to the oxygen consumption of the basal metabolic rate. So if you're not doing anything, just sitting, that's one. Uh, for example, everyday activities such as eating, washing, riding have a met value of two, and mm. uh, brisk walking can be met value of five or six. And uh, let's say do you chop some wood, that's already a six, and uh, play some basketball, uh, or even like do some strenuous rowing, you go more towards like the ten and and uh, uh, over ten. So basically. Uh, this also comes into the point that being physically active throughout the day is, is uh, really key to aging or like preventing aging. All right, Jim, go ahead and uh, continue. 
yeah <laughs> no those are awesome points and there was also like easy easy ways to assess your grip strength just you know at home you use the grip um dynometer or what's it called so that you, you just squeeze and it yeah, tells you yeah. how strong your grip is and that's like almost like an at-home uh, aging test <laughs> that, yeah. you can, that, that you can do and you can train with captain's crush like this yeah. grip grip strength so i i you know every now and then i i get this and do when i'm, I'm in the infrared zone i just do like practice my grip strength but if you do like lifting that's that's all automatically a uh, good practice for grip strength yeah well no, not always the case like um you can do a lot of these uh, exercises that don't really train the grip or if you use the straps etc then uh, mm. you can take out the tension from the grip so you actually using yeah like specific grip strength exercises is a great way to do like uh, deadlifts and um farmers carries are great for that yeah, uh, yeah just hanging from bar for with weights for example can be a good way to strengthen the grip and uh, yeah lifting stones with one hand <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's a kettlebell is also pretty good yeah uh, and throwing kettlebells and catching them and so you can play around with that so but do not do that like inside maybe outside it's better <laughs> yeah that's right uh all right i'm gonna move on with the next one yeah the next slide um the next topic is gonna be the uh, the one that is associated with uh, longevity and lifespan is a calorie restriction and it's actually one of the surest ways we know how to extend the lifespan in almost all species and uh, that's calorie restriction eating less uh, from this graph you see uh, these were mice uh, fed slightly fewer calories and that they lived uh, in proportion longer like in proportion to the amount of calories restricted and this age in months and uh, the ones restricted 15 percent of calorie restriction they lived you know slightly longer but those who were restricted 50 to 60 percent then uh, they lived uh, exponentially longer, even like double the amount of time. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, the same applies to like monkeys. There's a lot of mon studies in monkeys, uh, hamsters, or <laughs> and uh, things like that. And there is, when it comes to humans, then there are like some studies that uh, find that uh, calorie restriction does uh, this that uh, reduce a lot of these uh, risk factors associated with uh, any kind of metabolic mm. syndrome and the hallmarks of aging. So uh, just to interrupt you quickly, your uh, camera is, uh, is a bit blurred, so maybe you can, can turn adjust it off. Just a little bit. Wait. There's a uh, some some good comments and questions here. So uh, there's a point that if a person is very obese or highly overweight, uh, walking may be too painful and traumatic to the joints, and that's uh, absolutely correct. So um, a joint uh, a friendly movement so so steps is it's as i said it's it's kind of like a you know it has to do also only with walking but you can count steps if you're let's say uh rowing which is very good exercise and uh, every everything in the water so mm. um that can also be counted as steps so yeah and now seems seem is not uh, any more blurred. <laughs> well, yeah, and there are reasons why calorie restriction works. So, like, what are the reasons why people or the animals and uh, species live longer under calorie restriction? Uh, so, one of the reasons has to do with, uh, let's say, mitochondrial biogenesis. So, it helps to uh, grow mitochondria and prevents the mitochondria from becoming damaged, uh, which is you know crucial as the mitochondria become damaged and. Uh, or the mitochondrial dysfunction was one of the hallmarks of aging 
and the mitochondria are linked to any kind of other process inside the body as well. Uh, then the calorie restriction does uh, suppress the uh, insulin and HF1 pathway, which will uh, have a positive effect on um, suppressing some of the growth signals. So like mTOR, mammalian target of rapamycin, this is like the body's a growth switch, and it can be, in some cases, be linked to like cancers and um, aging, but it's mostly done in like other species. In humans, there isn't like a lot of research about that. Uh, what calorie restriction also does is that it suppresses inflammation, which can be good for better intercellular communication and just the epigenetic side that causes less damage to the body. Again, uh, one cool thing about this is that you know you turn on also these different kinds of longevity genes and uh, proteins inside the body, like the FOXO proteins, uh, which then uh, help to control things like the antioxidant defense systems, uh, superoxidismutases and uh, DNA repair processes, uh, sirtuins, which help with DNA repair, and they also do other things related to like the circadian rhythms and the BGC1-alpha. Mm. And lastly, they can also be the uh, process of autology gets increased during color restriction, which uh, describes basically one of the hallmarks of aging is loss of proteostasis, which uh, kind of describes the inability to remove this dysfunctional parts inside the cell and autophagy is the is the process that uh, cleans them out so uh, with increased autophagy you again uh, target one of the hallmarks of aging and you also target mitochondrial dysfunction with autophagy because autophagy also eliminates uh, dysfunctional mitochondria that uh, cause inflammation and spread oxidative stress um, but there's also research that um, when it comes to calorie restriction then it's not always calorie restriction uh, that is working, so so to say, and uh, let's say in uh, cases of genetic mutations and uh, genetic engineering in mice, then uh, autophagy is actually one of the crucial ones to mediate a lot of the benefits of calorie restriction. So if you if you block the process of autophagy because the mice are genetically modified in a way that they don't get autophagy, then they don't also live longer, even when they are fed less calories. Uh, so uh, it appears that you know at least in mice. Uh, the autophagy processes are very uh, crucial for uh, making sure that you do get the increased lifespan from uh, calorie restriction. So uh, this brings me to uh, intermittent fasting, which is a good way to mimic a lot of the effects of calorie restriction. So the idea of eating you know, less calories for the rest of your life isn't that appealing for most people. <laughs> and um, it's uh, more difficult. It's not sustainable. It's not very, um, yeah, it's not very uh, easy to do. And it's it's kind of contradictory if you want to build muscle and strength and at the same right. time be calorie restricted. So uh, how to find the balance? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. It's 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 you know obviously you need to be obvious. I think you need to be still on the calorie restriction every once in a while. Yeah, and uh, periodically, but you don't want to be, or you don't need to be doing it all the time. And uh, yeah, being chronically on the on a calorie restriction can be problematic from the muscle building uh, and muscle maintenance side which is where uh, doing some form of intermittent fasting can uh, mimic a lot of those effects of calorie restriction by basically turning on the same pathways and mimicking the same effects, such as uh, fasting uh, increases autophagy, increases DNA repair, it uh, reduces insulin, reduces mTOR, reduces IGF-1, uh, and uh, improves mitochondrial health 
and uh, other, other kind of beneficial things, the FOXA proteins, the sirtuins, those all things uh, get turned on with some aspects of intermittent fasting as well. So you don't need to necessarily be uh, yeah, doing calorie restriction, but you don't want to be overeating calories either. <laughs> so you still want to be like moderate with your calories, but chances are you can get away with uh, reducing your uh, calories slightly less if you do some form of uh, intermittent fasting. And how much intermittent fasting, uh, I think that's also like, we don't know. We don't know uh, what's the best mm. window. And the window kind of changes based upon the uh, goals, I would imagine. And uh, yeah, I think the idea is to just, yeah, like not be constantly eating and then snacking all the time. Yeah. You know, even even like uh, small children, they do natural intermittent fasting, fasting because they're sleeping so much. So if they yeah. sleep, let's say like 10 to 12 hours per day, that's that's already a, a beneficial point point in in uh, ha- having like not eating of course they need to eat to grow and uh, that's that's uh, more than just once or twice a day but for us um, uh, older people uh, you don't have to be eating all the time so but this is something we have been discussing uh, quite a bit um, in the past and uh, that's just uh, one aspect uh, in this process and uh, maybe we can talk do you, do you still have more slides or um, uh, well, uh, next I'm going to talk about NAD, but we can skip it. Yeah, maybe we can stick to a little bit of on the calorie restriction side. And uh, there are certain um, supplements and uh, biochemical like substances that can mimic calorie restriction. And uh, we had a previous webinar on spermidine. So if you haven't seen that, go uh, check the Barker Summit uh, YouTube uh, channel and... Uh, see a brilliant discussion on, on spermidine uh, from the Oxford Health Health Band. And, and uh, of course, their product is, is uh, really remarkable in, in this side. But uh, uh, I have collected some um, calorie restriction mimetics into our forthcoming uh, The Resilient Being book. And uh, actually, I, I think this is a good, good place to mention uh, about our our new book so at, uh, it's it's uh, let's see I, i'm digging the landing page so if you just go to landing.biohackingbook.com dot uh, resilient being so uh, this is <laughs> it, it's gonna be super massive so there's all, already like 500 pages in and uh, i think uh, we have been writing maybe half of the book at the moment so it's gonna be about thousand pages and uh, there's a lot of stuff going into this book, whether it's a physical resilience, uh, the stuff we are we are talking now, reversing aging and extending health span, whether it's trauma and emotional uh, healing, uh, ego and shadows, consciousness transcendence, or just biochemical like uh, the immune system, hormones, uh, metabolism, nervous system. Uh, so a lot of topics in there, and you can see the full listing on the side and uh, this this is a this is going to be really really epic and really comprehensive book and hopefully we get this out in a year it might extend uh, because we want to do uh, really precise work as as we have been doing with the biking book but uh, you can pre-order now the cheapest price you will ever get on this book plus some extras so go go to our resilient being landing page. 
But let's move uh, to the calorie restriction mimetics. So um, there are nutritional compounds and ingredients that mimic the effects of calorie restriction without necessarily doing the calorie restriction. But of course, if you combine an actual calorie restriction with these calorie restriction mimetics, that uh, it's probably even uh, more beneficial um, on not that you are doing like all the time, but you know, every now and then. So the calorie restriction mimetics, they promote autophagy in three different ways. They are provoking the depletion of so-called acetyl coenzyme A or HCCoA, or inhibiting the activity of several acetyl transferases or activating uh, so-called deacetylases. So we can uh, take a look at the the image here. So, so this is actually from our <laughs> uh, book uh, and the contextual resilience chapter. This is non-edited stuff at the moment, but uh, we can we can certainly see what kind of uh, things we have there. So, this is categorized uh, based on these three different uh, uh, processes. So, whether it's it's like a depletion of the acetyl coenzyme A. So we have uh, like the hydroxy citrate. There's a uh, Garcinia gambogia which is, I, I think it's, it's pretty known supplement. I've played around with that, uh, you know, every now and then, but I, I don't find it to be like really that effective or um, it, may, it makes me feel a bit, kind of a bit funny. I don't know how to explain that. Have, have you played around that, uh, Seam, the Garcinia? Uh, uh, no, I haven't. I haven't like taken a lot of uh, calories besides like some of the uh, basic ones. Yeah, later, but not not this one. Okay, so those that's that's the main acetyl coenzyme A mimetic, and then we have uh, inhibitors of the acetyl transferases. Uh, these are probably a bit more familiar to you guys. There's curcumine, uh, there's uh, EGCG from the green tea, spermidine, as I mentioned, and uh, we have a, a substance called anacardic acid, which is in cashew nutshells. So that's that's pretty interesting. Who who eats cashew nut cells? Or maybe that's a, that's an extract. We have a garcinol, and also the gallic acid, which is found, for example, in cocoa or flax seeds and apples and and uh, walnuts. And uh, then we have the third category, which are activators of the protein deacetylases, and that's mainly mainly sirtuin one and. Uh, you seem is going to talk a little bit about NAD and sirtuins uh, in in a moment, and uh, we have resveratrol uh, from different plants, berries, red grape skin, and of course as a supplement, um, that's something that David Sinclair raves about, and uh, he even puts that in, into his coffee. And um, I don't know what what brand he uses, but I tried to put some dried, uh, just pure resveratrol into my coffee and it made it taste absolutely horrible. So I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't well, recommend it. You want to live longer, then you got to suck it up a little bit. <laughs> you got to suffer. <laughs> I also want to enjoy my coffee, you know, you know tasting <laughs> good. But, you know, hey, you got to try, if, if a professor is doing something, you got to try it. Uh, we have quercetin, uh, found also on different plants like red onion, uh, uh, kale, red grapes, green tea. We have a uh, Piscian at, 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 at,
red grapes. Uh, we have NMNS supplement and uh, NR or nicotinamide riboside as a supplement. And that's also something in the biking world or these two are raving about. So a uh, lot of stuff available in, in the nutritional side. And uh, let's not go yet into the disadvantages of prolonged calorie restriction, but uh, just to mention that uh, you don't want to starve yourself either. So uh, finding the, the good homeostasis and balance, it's, it's, it's the key. Mm. Yeah. Okay, Seem, uh, you're on. <laughs> All right, so we talk about NAD then. Yeah. Um, so uh, a lot of the uh, hallmarks of aging can be caused by low levels of uh, NAD. And uh, NAD is a nicotinamide and then dinucleotide, and uh, and that's like of this coenzyme in the body that is involved with yeah almost everything uh, as well, and it um, mostly has an effect on energy production and uh, DNA repair and those kinds of things. And without NAD, then uh, yeah you can experience very much almost identical of these uh, hallmarks of aging: that uh, mitochondrial dysfunction, uh, cell senescence, DNA damage, nutrient sensing gets messed up, and telomeration as well. Uh, with age, you can also see yeah, that with age, your energy levels do uh, decrease quite a lot, like it's almost like more than 50% gets decreased after your, uh, after your 40 years of age. And, um, you know, obviously, there's different, different ways to uh, boost NAD. And uh, people, you know, use NAD boosters, like exercise, all the healthy lifestyle habits that we already talked about, uh, boost NAD, like calorie restriction and fasting, and exercise. About, and you can also take the supplements that you mentioned, but I always want to uh, mention and emphasize the link uh, between NAD and uh, the circadian rhythms, which uh, most other people don't really talk about. And uh, the link is uh, in the resalvage of NAD. So you, have, you, can, you can make your NAD from food and you can also recycle it on a daily basis. The process of recycling that NAD is uh, linked to this enzyme called NAMPT, which is uh, sirtuin-1 dependent. And uh, that in turn itself is dependent on the uh, circadian clock genes, like clock and BMAL1. Those are basically uh, determining the uh, functioning of NAMPT. So if the clock system isn't operating properly, if your circadian rhythms are dysfunctional or not synchronized, you're not activating sirtuins, uh, then uh, this uh, NAMPT enzyme will also be basically offline and you're not going to be able to recycle your NAD levels, which will then basically accelerate the aging process uh, because of that. Whereas if you have the circadian uh, system aligned and uh, the clock genes are working properly, then you will also have the ability to recycle your NAD at a higher rate and uh, basically stay younger. Or at least, at least the NAD will help to increase the health span I'm not sure that I'm not sure whether or not NAD supplementation even could increase your lifespan, uh, but it's I would imagine that it would certainly have a positive positive effect on the health span, so that you're uh, postponing the hallmarks of aging for as long as possible if you have higher levels of NAD, especially in your later years. I don't think like younger people need to worry about that that much, um, but uh, in your later years uh, for sure it's something to um, pay attention to for sure that the, how your NAD levels like at what level are they at. So so kind of the, can you have too high NAD levels? Um, let's let's say you're under thirty and you're 
uh, hammering yourself with uh, NMN and, and NR. And uh, could could that be like uh, unbeneficial? Mm. Uh, well, I think yes, it could because like NAD, uh, similar to like autophagy, can in excess can be you know harmful. It's I think it's almost impossible to know like how much is too much or mm. uh, we don't we just or we don't have like enough data about it yet. Um, but like for example, like the some certain viruses can hijack NAD and they can also hijack autophagy. Um, so yeah, it's not that NAD itself is bad. It's just that it gets used for other bad things. <laughs> so you could be feeding like like certain yeah I mean, viruses, I, yeah so, like yeah. I don't I don't think I don't think I don't know like the exact like what's how how big the risk is or something um but yeah in terms of the cancer side that there was this association with uh any higher nad and the cancer then or any supplementation and cancer in mice but they were also like genetically modified to be uh, predisposed to uh, cancer uh, so there's no like human data about yeah that. so i'm, I'm just so, just yeah. thinking about uh you know i I do take NMN and uh, nicotine riboside and uh, even respiratory, you know, at times, but I don't want to do it all the time. Um, my my experience with uh, one grams of of NMN and one gram of uh, trimethylglycine and uh, one gram of resveratrol uh, for one week was that uh, I got so much energy that it actually... Uh, I don't know. It, it made me hyper uh, energetic. Mm. I, you know, it, it's like I, I had so much energy that <laughs> I was kind of like uh, wrecking, wrecking myself, uh, like like uh, spending too much energy. So uh, that that was just my like uh, n equals one experience. So uh, maybe if you have high energy levels and you have high energy, you don't need to do that uh, or this kind of stuff until you're let's say. 50s or 60s or unless you measure and you quantify that you have lower NAD levels which can be measured from the blood uh, nowadays and uh, so quantifying that is also probably very wise mm, yeah if you want to be sure then you can measure it yeah uh, what I've noticed from the NAD supplementation is that um, my kind of sleep demand kind of just goes a bit lower uh, mm. Yeah, other than that, I haven't noticed like any more energy or something that, but it, maybe it could be, but I just haven't uh, noticed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, essentially the kind of the secret link between NAD is the circadian uh, rhythms. And uh, because the CERT1 and NAMPT are circadian rhythm dependent and uh, with proper circadian rhythm alignment, you have higher NAD. And you also have this uh, higher expression of this longevity, epigenetics, and a downregulation of the hallmarks of aging, which will result in increased health span. Whereas if the opposite is the case, where your uh, circadian rhythms are disrupted, then the CERT1 and AMPT are offline, your energy levels will go down, longevity epigenetics goes down, and the hallmarks of aging increases, which results in accelerated uh, biological aging. So yeah, kind of sticking to the day and night cycles, as much as possible and avoiding constantly like jet lag and uh, those kind of things is kind yeah. of and if you want to age fast you uh, uh, go go to be a nurse or or a young doctor your doctor and uh, you mm. certainly cut some life life uh, from life years out of your like 
are for life. So I, <laughs> I used to do that, not not in ten years anymore. But uh, that that wasn't nice to have a, like a disrupted circuit in rhythm. So um, it, it yeah. kind of messes like everything, every system in your body. Mm. Yeah, and obviously, like sleep is important for uh, just you know slowing, repairing the body, and b- bad sleep and short sleep will um, make you age faster. The problem is with age, you see this uh, reduction in the uh, sleep hormones and uh, other hormones as well, the circadian hormones. So you're producing less melatonin, you're also producing less cortisol, uh, which kind of flattens the circadian rhythms and creates less of this robustness, which uh, will result in some uh, this uh, circadian rhythm mismatch. And uh, as a result, lower NAD again, and just uh, more aging. Uh, but fortunately, this has been found to be able to res- reverse it uh, with calorie restriction, actually, <laughs> and uh, intermittent fasting, and the, the key point with that is again the NAD resynthesis. So calorie restriction uh, helps with uh, recycling NAD, and intermittent fasting helps with that exercise. Does it? And just sticking to the circadian rhythm itself helps to recycle the NAD, and uh, basically you're, you're preserving your uh, circadian clocks with that. So the circadian clocks will become damaged with age as a by- byproduct of aging. Uh, but you can maintain them and you can keep them healthier for longer if you uh, have high NAD levels and you recycle high NAD um, on a daily basis. And things that wreck it are, again, shift work, circadian disruption, inflammation, lowers NAD and damages the clocks and uh, jet lag as well. What about melatonin as a supplement, uh, as an anti-aging supplement? I do think, uh, I do consider melatonin as a longevity hormone and uh, potential as a longevity supplement as well. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, supplementing melatonin is could be uh, quite beneficial in your like old, older years um, in for the elderly, because they do produce much less melatonin and they do have shorter sleep and uh, they may get exposed, may re- increase the risk of like neurodegeneration uh, because of that. Um, yeah. The only like some of the negative side effects of melatonin supplementation is like, it uh, postpones puberty um, in children, but you know if you're in your sixties already, then you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 it and it also uses like a contraceptive in high high doses in like seventy five milligrams is a contraceptive. That's like super um, super super like a hundred. Yeah. Even like yeah, hundred times of the normal production, or even like thousand times. Yeah. So the body produces about like maximum 80, 80 micrograms. Of melatonin oh. and uh, you know nor- normal doses are like one milligram and uh, I I would just take like zero zero point one to zero point three milligrams yeah. of melatonin just to mimic more of the natural production and uh, but you of course you can measure that and uh, now in the Black Week we have uh, the melatonin profile home test kit from the Nordic Laboratories and this is now the cheapest price you'll you will get so this is something i did in my doctor's practice i measured uh people people's uh both the cortisol circadian rhythms but also the melatonin uh, rhythm so if that's out of whack so there's a lot of thing, things that we can we can do and uh this could be out of whack if you have a difficulty of sleeping depression like the winter depression in, in the dark phases of the year or you have ms or or some kind of menstrual disorders and uh, it's it's easy to just test and uh, see how how your melatonin production is is going on 
Yeah. Anything else, team? No, that was it for me. That was it. Yeah, there's a lot of comments and, and questions. Mainly there's a conversation in your uh, YouTube channel, but maybe we can uh, pick pick something something from here. So there's a good question uh, regarding NAD supplements. So does your body stop natural production of NAD plus if you take it as a supplement? So basically you're not taking NAD itself, but the precursors. So what's your take on this? Um, yeah, you're not going to be able to, or it is possible to get NAD directly, but as a, as like a IV. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. IV uh, therapy, not available in Finland or, or I don't think it's probably in Estonia, mm -hmm. maybe in the U S but, uh, if you take, let's say NMN, which is like the precursor, straight precursor to NAD. Uh, does it have like a is, is it like a rate limiting step? Uh, if you take that, uh, is your natural production going down or is it just uh, boosting the no the own no production? no yeah so no, it's, it, yeah no it's not yeah yeah okay. so this is not functioning like like a hormonal with the hormonal feedback negative loop system so this is just basically you're boosting the production and uh, you're you're better yeah. <laughs> whether it's like probably... ATP like it's like ATP like you could take an ATP supplement yeah. <laughs> as well. I actually uh, do take ATP, like peak ATP every now and then, uh, you know, as a like 30 day supply. And uh, that's interesting to play around with, especially if you do like uh, maximal uh, strength training practices. So I, I think I see some kind of uh, benefits from that, uh, having a little bit more ATP available. But that's definitely not uh, considered uh, an anti-aging supplement. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, let's see there's a lot of <laughs> like conversation and stuff what what would you your uh seem your uh, favorite supplements to promote health span and reverse aging yeah um well my favorite supplement is a uh, glycine <laughs> so uh glycine is i love that <laughs> yeah it's, it's a great one uh it's uh you know, obviously it has benefits on methylation and uh, it helps with to sleep. It helps to lower blood sugar and things like that and lowers our body temperature. Uh, but I think the biggest uh, in terms of the longevity and the anti-aging context, then uh, what, what glycine does, it helps to balance methionine and the methionine, excess methionine intake that you get from muscle meat and uh, just lean proteins or just animal protein in general, you would... Uh, Exomethionine will has been found to like accelerate aging and may cause some cancers. So you balance the methionine with the glycine, uh, and uh, the studies find that uh, glycine supplementation can uh, mimic methionine restriction. So you don't even need to restrict the methionine if you are getting mm -hmm. enough glycine. And we don't really get that much glycine in our diet. Uh, we don't eat like foods that have glycine that much, unless you're eating like you know, Jello every day and uh, and uh, bones. <laughs> <laughs> things like that then you are not not getting like enough glycine from a diet so just using it as a supplement i think is a it's very cheap um yeah it's a very you can taste good and uh yeah it's a very healthy i think it's a i think it's a perfect sweetener like without yeah. being sweet and uh i i discovered glycine as a supplement maybe a couple of years ago when i was uh you know playing around what could help with sleep so that was first from like magnesium glycinate and then i began taking it more 
So now I usually take like six to eight grams like every evening and uh, usually some some in the daytime. So I have, a, I have this very nice uh, electrolyte uh, from Buddhas Plus from Finland. So it also contains, uh, besides electrolytes, there's some glycine and some vitamin C. It's, it's, it's tasting really good. And, uh, and the glycine is it's doing wonders. So I, I really love that. Uh, what else? Uh, glycine, mm. your number one. Yeah, uh, I would uh, put there, you know, maybe like a mag- magnesium, some sort of magnesium there as well, I think is important. Um, not only because, you know, magnesium is uh, that not, not only because that so many people are deficient in magnesium, but it's also yeah just involved with so many other things. And uh, you can you can uh, reverse or counteract a lot of the hallmarks that may come from like excess damage and uh, things of like that with uh, some regular glycine sub- <laughs> magnesium supplementation mm. other ones i think is cool is like carnosine that is a good uh, kind of anti-aging supplement because it can uh, block like uh, advanced glycation end products which is more relevant for like just the, the skin aging or the uh, aging of your vascular system and uh, the collagen collagen tissue so uh, with too many advanced glycation end products you're just going to have more wrinkles and stuff like that. So the carnosine uh, can help to uh, block that or counteract mm. that. Mm. There, there's a really, really nice supplement that I've been taking for a while. Uh, for a while, for it, it's called Ageless Defense. Ageless Defense, and that's from the same brand that uh, produces the HRW, the, the uh, hydrogen water company. So, uh, have you tried that? Yes, I am taking it right now as well. Yeah, so so that's that's kind of like a, a proprietary blend of uh, benfotiamine, curcumin, uh, carnosine. Uh, what else? There's resveratrol. Uh, vitamin C. Is vitamin C, and it, it it seems to be really nice. And I find that it also stabilizes blood sugar like really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we haven't actually talked about uh, age. Or, or, or like advanced glycation end products and those seem to be also having an effect on on aging of the body uh no pun intended or 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 a pun intended <laughs> so uh what's your take on on ages mm. well um i think um some your body is able to deal with it in some amounts so it's not like all sugar is bad that or that you need to avoid all glycation all the time. <laughs> Your body is kind of very resilient. And if you have like glutathione and uh, other defense systems uh, working properly, then you should be able to deal with it in uh, moderate amounts. Uh, but in excess, it's, uh, yeah, will be harmful. And if you don't have enough of these antioxidant defenses uh, working properly, like you're deficient in nutrients, you may have like metabolic syndrome and uh, diabetes and things like that, then it's probably going to be uh, too, too much. Uh, so, yeah, like I don't think that, you know, sugar isn't the worst thing for aging like sugar is just you know a very almost like like a very natural molecule itself that uh, your body is very familiar familiar with it's able to know how to deal with it it just becomes uh, kind of toxic if it's uh, in excess and high amounts yeah so um i'm just thinking about the the law of hormesis here so uh there's a lot of stuff you can take and uh 
you know, doing too much ever of, of anything could be possibly harmful. Um, that that goes with uh, different supplements, different foods, uh, even red light, or or you're not getting getting the results you want. Um, what what about actually uh, if you go into photobiomodulation for 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 a t- short time? Uh, Mm. Uh, are there any studies on on photobiomodulation, red light therapy, and aging? Um, well, there are studies on the skin wrinkles and skin aging. So the uh, red light is able to like even reverse some wrinkles um, after like six weeks or something. Yeah. So I do think it helps with the aging of the aesthetics aging. <laughs> so to say, uh, I don't, I don't know about the actual lifespan of in terms of does it. Yeah. Because it doesn't, it doesn't really help with your like biomarkers. Like um, you're not going to see like a reduction in blood sugar by using the red light, and you're not going to see a like a um, reduction in triglycerides or a reduction in um, cholesterol or something like that. But, if you just sit in the red you light. are you are going to see a reduction in uh, silent inflammation, reduction mm-hmm. in the re- re- reactive oxygen species, and increase in nitrogen nitro- uh, like NO production. And also yeah. increase in in like mitochondrial uh, density and 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 or or rather the ATP production. So in that sense, you are you are going to see something. Yeah, so, yeah, for, yeah. You do see like better mitochondrial health and uh, uh, some benefits, but I don't think that it's going to be like super significant. Uh, maybe like an infrared sauna is probably better mm. uh, for that because you can also get there is more. There's actually a study showing that the sauna is good for health span and longevity, and uh, sure. the infrared also gonna have some of those same effects, similar as the red light. Yeah, so that's that's super interesting. Um, I, I've been playing around with infrared sauna. Actually, I've been going to infrared sauna uh, eight years, almost every morning and every evening. So that's that's two times per day, and uh, I I find that to be one of the biggest biggest uh, reasons to be uh, to have a, like a lot of energy, good recovery, uh, being uh, overall being being really healthy. So um, of course, doing too much of that, but it seems that there's there isn't that much of a like problem. If if you get that sweat out, uh, you don't want to really be there that much. And uh, if I if I would do like regular like traditional uh, Finnish or Estonian sauna bathing like seven times per day uh, per week. Uh, that will require a lot more uh, uh, effort, and you have to like heat heat the sauna like every day. I, I've also done that, but I I don't find that uh, to be as sustainable as would like a far infrared sauna be. So even even like a couple of times per week uh, is probably beneficial. So as as it goes with the sauna study, if you, if you think about that, uh, if you have four or more sauna sessions per week. Like uh, traditional sauna bathing, that's uh, the most uh, powerful way to uh, lower your mortality rate. Yeah. And those are like, um, yeah, the studies all find that it's more more than four times is the best, and that applies yeah. to heart disease and uh, neurodegeneration and uh, depression and <laughs> other things as well. So the more the more also, sauna I take, almost yeah, the better it is. Yeah. Uh, okay. What what else? Um, let's see. Uh, there's a lot of questions what about thyroid health um, mm. I, I know people age 
quite rapidly when they are like hypo hypothyroidic. And I, I've mm. seen that like with hundreds of patients in, in my yeah. like doctor's appointment and uh, having a good thyroid health, it's, it's, it's also one of the keys to, to healthy aging. Right. Yeah, well, that, that, that thing is somewhat uh, contradictory or uh, controversial a little bit. So uh, on one hand, there is like a, some benefit to being a low thyroid in the in the context of like this calorie restriction and uh, energy preservation <laughs> so if you are with a lower thyroid then um your metabolic rate will be lower and uh, in theory you will also age a bit slower uh, by doing that uh, but on the other hand if you have low thyroid then your risk of getting like metabolic syndrome and heart disease and uh, bad biomarkers is also higher because you're you know more easily gonna get obese <laughs> and you have a because if you have a lower mm. metabolic rate and um uh, and at the same time, like uh, being a low thyroid will also raise your cholesterol levels. And uh, yeah, obviously it's not going to be, and maybe like you're going to lose muscle more easily or um, you can like osteoporosis potentially if you have like low thyroid all the time. So yeah, I think it's a very, uh, I don't know the exact answer. I think it's somewhere like in, like in the middle. You don't want to be like low thyroid or hypothyroid for sure. But having like a super hyper hyperthyroid may not be also the best yeah that's that's definitely gonna gonna wear and tear you down so yeah. i i think being hyper thyroid is even worse than being hypothyroid because uh that's that's a that's a it's not a state physiological state you actually want to be in but you yeah. know it's it's having a having a good hormonal balance whether it's it's uh testosterone or or like estrogen progesterone or growth hormone or thyroid hormone or insulin or whatnot. It's uh, it's all about having a good balance, not to be like overboard or underboard. Uh, maybe one more thing uh, regarding hormonal uh, balance. Um, what do you think about uh, uh, TRT for older males in in terms of uh, aging, or rather anti-aging? Because I know that's that's a huge thing in in the US. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, I think um, depends whether or not you need it. <laughs> so to say, whether or not it's fixable with uh, other natural uh, ways. So like being low testosterone is actually a very unhealthy because yeah, your risk of again of obesity and uh, metabolic syndrome and heart disease goes up uh, by mm -hmm. doing that or by being that. So um, in a context of TRT where you're still within the, like the normal physiological range and you're only bumping your testosterone back into like some middle middle point or something with TRT, I think it is healthier than uh, being low, low testosterone. Uh, whether or not you should take it or when you should take it is a different question. And what kind of other options have you used? If you haven't used anything else <laughs> and you're just having low testosterone because of you know ba the bad lifestyle, then obviously fix the lifestyle first and see what happens. Um, but if it's like, you know, you are, let's say, in your 60s or something like that, then I think it could be a net positive in terms of that your uh, mm. your biomarkers will be better, your health will be better, and I think your quality of life will also be better because you have like more energy and more like drive and stuff like that. So yeah, like in your 50s and 60s, maybe it would be for sure like a viable option. Should you do it before that? Uh, I think, yeah, that's a different question. Like most people may 
you know, feel better with TRT because they get more energy and more testosterone, but that's because their own natural TRT, natural testosterone levels are already very, very low. So you need to kind of be able to make sure that your natural stuff is still optimized before yeah, you, you know, yeah. do something else like that. Yeah, there's a lot, lot you can actually do about that. So um, just asking because I know that's a huge anti-aging trend in the U.S. And, you know, doctors prescribe TRT like it was maybe like metformin or or something <laughs> like that. So it, it, it's, it's very typical to take TRT in the U.S., uh, that's not really the case in the Finland. It, it's it's more more of the opposite. You have to be like begging, like have have like a, a low testosterone or or like a female level testosterone, and then even then you might not get get a replacement. So that's that's also a different story. Uh, I know a lot of like health influencers who are maybe plus fifty. They they are like almost all are on TRT. So it's 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 um it's it's very interesting topic. So um. But again, we come into the point that having a good balance, uh, not too high, not too low, is probably the way to go. So that, that's kind of finding the homeostasis. Good. So um, we have covered a lot of ground here, and uh, I think we are we are almost good good to end this show. Uh, a quick reminder about where we began this uh, uh, broadcast is the Biker Summit. You have now um, five days left to get this super <laughs> early bird ticket, uh, one for one ninety-seven, or if you buy two or more, one sixty-seven, or three or more, one forty-seven. So the most affordable thing to enjoy and come to the Biker Summit is to get yourself and your friends uh, with a ridiculous price. And if you really want to have a superior experience, the VIP ticket, that's also um, includes you into the upgrade dinner and uh, a lot of uh, um, very uh, private stuff. And Optimize Day Workshop, that's, that's really something you want to experience if you haven't um, had one uh, yet. So uh, everything from morning into midday, into afternoon, into evening, how you can optimize your day uh, living with the biohacking uh, life. And of course, our after party, which are or uh, have been really wonderful uh, parties. And uh, uh, I've been enjoying those uh, absolutely uh, into my <laughs> fullest and uh, being able to have a, have a DJ gig there. So I'm also doing that. And uh, everything in between in the barkersummit.com. And uh, we have um, the Black Week continues the whole week. We, the, of course, the Black Friday is, is probably the biggest day. There's a lot of stuff coming, even up to uh, minus 75%. And every day we have a different theme. Yesterday was uh, optimized sleep. Today is work and performance. Tomorrow is going to be optimized nutrition. And, and there's a brain health. Uh, Friday is something I'm not going to reveal yet. We have special webinars coming on Friday. And on Saturday, you can fix your gut. And uh, Cyber Monday is also going to be special. So we have uh, two more webinars coming up uh, even uh, within a week. Anything uh, to close this session, Simland? <laughs> well, um, I think... Um... When it comes to health span, with it, you can very uh, the, all the health span is mostly uh, 
achievable with uh, the fundamentals, the diet, exercise, uh, sleep, circadian rhythms, and stress management, and nutrient density, and those kind of things, you, you can easily maintain your health span with that. Um, whether or not it's going to make you live longer, that's a, like a different thing. Uh, question. Uh, I don't think. Um, I don't think like the natural things can uh, increase your health, like like lifespan exponentially. Like you're not going to be able to live to 120 by just exercising and uh, doing like that, unless you have good genetics. Uh, but you will certainly have like a lot many more healthy years in your life, so that you can still you know play around with your grandchildren in your like. 70s and 80s and uh yeah mm. make your own uh, food and i don't know walk around <laughs> easily yeah move easily like just you know i i think it's 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 really crucial to be able to move uh as i watch let's say my parents uh, my father is 75 he looks like he's 55 like uh super healthy uh still got some come like a good good physical condition and my mother is also like very healthy a bit younger and you know they they have the energy to play around with my daughter six years old the whole day of course they might be a little bit exhausted but you know uh, being able to play with with a child who has an immense amount of energy that's also a good measure if you if you're you know if your energy levels are are on point and you are uh, you're aging on a, on a healthy way mm. so uh thanks a lot for joining us and thanks seamland and remember, go to Biker Summit, book your tickets to the best biking conference in the world with over six years of experience. Uh, let's reverse aging and extend health span. And the Biker's Live Show is signing out. And see you on Friday. Bye. Bye. Awesome.